0: Good morning, everyone. This is the day the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. And we shall be very glad that we have had the wonderful rain, and also that it's very clear this morning, so we can all be here. So uh, you may recall that Jason has been off this week and is off today until Tuesday, And in his absence, I would like to introduce Barry Martinez, a friend of Jason's, who will be bringing the message today. Barry is on staff at the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and if he wants to tell you more, he can do so, but welcome to our congregation, Barry. A few announcements that we have. Um, On the 5th of February is a congregational meeting. And after the meeting, there will be a congregational lunch. And just so that we have an idea of how many uh, meals to plan, this is in your bulletin. So if you plan to be here on the 5th, uh, just fill that out just so we have a count of how many people to plan for. So, a um, couple, of, couple of sad announcements to bring to you this morning. First of all, our, our old dear friend, Jeannie Sager, passed away this week. And I have talked with her family, and there will be a memorial service here. We don't know when yet, but we will be planning a service, so we will let you know when that will be. And then also, we found out this week that Nancy Ross's husband, Jack, passed away. And her family also is trying to decide what they want to do as far as a memorial for him. So two families that I have asked that we keep them in prayer and thought as they go through this time. So we will, we will do that. They know that they can count on their church family. Our call to worship this morning is a responsive one. So I will lead us as we are called to worship responsively. Oh come, let us sing to the Lord and shout with joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to presence The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. What does the Holy One require of us? And I I chose those passages because this is Martin Luther King weekend, where we do look at justice and equality and unity and all those things that Dr. King worked so tirelessly to achieve. And so To do justice is something that we want to achieve in our lifetime. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, you sent your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, to be the light of the world. Empower us as your people to shine with his glory. Lit by your word and sacraments, May we show your love and care to the world and communities around so that his light may shine through us. Make us worthy of your call through Jesus Christ. Amen. And now would you please stand for the singing of our first hymn. our children and youth could come forward for a message.
1: Can you hear me? Okay. There we go. So, Caden, it's just you or anybody else can help as well. We have been talking about Sermon on the Mount in children's ministry, and we are talking about giving. And so we have demonstrations today. All righty. So, as we know, God loves a giving heart and he loves a cheerful giver. Do you guys want to hold this for me? So there's money in each container. And we're going to get yeah, we're going to guess which container has more money. We're going to judge it in value. We're not going to open it though. We're just going to hold it, maybe shake it a little bit. See which one do you think has more money? And you want to try that one. Try that one, Kaden. Yeah. Which one do you guys think has more money? You think that one? Why do you think that has more money? Because there could be Ooh, trickery. <laughs> 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 what about you, Kaden? Which one do you think has more money? This one? Why? Oh, there could be hundreds. More trickery. I like this. <laughs> you guys are free. We could pass it down if we want to, but I want to make everybody wait. So um, if actually, if any of you guys, after you shake it, you can open it up and we'll see which one has more. And we'll talk about if we think our, our judging was accurate or not. Okay. So which one has more, the bigger container or the smaller container? Big container has more. Raise your hand. Big container. Big container okay we have some big and then who thinks the small container has more alright let's open it up and see now uh, there's a piece of tape you can just rip it off the top sorry so you guys were right though I did have a little bit of trickery going on in there A fifty and a dollar so the smaller container had more Huh? There were no bills. There were just pennies. We had 100 pennies and six quarters. <laughs> so it was trickery. You guys were right about that. <laughs> so um, why do you think we were judging based on size, based on the sound? Why do you think we make those judgments? If something is bigger or smaller, we had trickery. Do you have any thoughts on that? You're like it's too early, don't ask me these questions. <laughs> Fair? Well, we have a tendency as humans right to judge things based on how they look. And so we were doing a little bit of that, maybe on how they feel. So if we were to give somebody a dollar fifty or a dollar, which do we think is more valuable to give? Which do we think is a better gift to give somebody? A dollar? A dollar fifty? Dollar fifty? I mean, why do we think that? More money, right? Makes sense. It's more money. Well, we do that a lot. But for God, he does not compare us with each other, and he does not compare each value like that. He looks at how much we give individually based on how much we're able to give and how much we give with a cheerful, loving heart. So like, for instance, we'll look at me versus Oprah Winfrey. She's a billionaire, and I am not. So my $100 donation to um, PCC versus her million-dollar donation. Well, obviously, the val- her value is way more, but God knows her million-dollar value is nothing for her. That's, that's like $10 for Oprah. For me, that's a lot of money. Um, or someone, let's say Caden, gave a dollar. Because that's all he had. He gave all his money versus my hundred or her million. Well, God will look at Caden and say, he gave me more today. Because he gave me everything he had. And he did it with a smile and he was happy to do it. (laughs) Does that make sense? (laughs) So, I mean, the moral of the story is God loves a cheerful giver and he doesn't judge or compare us with each other. He he just looks at us as individuals based on how much we can give with with, uh, what we have and what we want to give. What do you think? (laughs) Are you going to donate it to us? I don't want you to. (laughs) I'll save you. Oh, see, there we have it. God loves a cheerful giver who shares His things. Thank you. Amen. That's it for me. (laughs) Does you have anything? Nope. Okay. You guys want to pray? You want me to pray? All right. Okay. Um, Thank you, Heavenly Father, for allowing us this time this morning to come together as youth and children and with our families before we disperse. Please be with us as we learn even more about you today and we grow and come back at the end of service with our families. Um, Help it to uh, our teachings to really penetrate into our souls so that we can continue to grow in love with you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.
2: song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever be Worthy of every breath we could ever be We we'll live for you We we'll live for you Jesus the the only one who could ever say worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. Night you are close like no other. I've known you as a father, I've known you as a friend. I have lived in the goodness of God. Been so, so good with every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God.
3: Your goodness is running now, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after I've spent good enough if you ever came. Your goodness is running out, running after me. Let's sing that again. Your goodness is running out, it's running.
0: grateful we are that we come before God, not as despised sinners, but as beloved children. With the confidence of children of God, let us humbly confess our sin. Eternal God, our judge and redeemer, we confess that we have tried to hide from you For we have done wrong. We have lived for ourselves and apart from you. We have turned from our neighbors and refused to bear the burden of others. We have ignored the pain of the world and passed by the hungry, the poor, and the oppressed. In your great mercy, forgive our sins and free us from selfishness that we may choose your will and obey your commandments through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Do not fear, says the Lord, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. God is doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. By the grace of Jesus Christ, We are forgiven. Thanks be to God.
4: Is it Danny? One of my favorite songs. I love the goodness of God. I just absolutely love it. It rocks me, so thank you. Uh, You gave me a hand. You clapped for me beforehand. That might have been a little bit too soon. You haven't heard me speak yet, so we'll find out where that one goes. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts. Speak to us this morning, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Uh, my kids have said they love Dad's short prayers, especially around dinner time. And when he's long-winded, I pray we're not hungry. Um, this morning, uh, it's a, the message is a little bit, I'm going to call it a jarring message, jarring our memories. Um, I just turned 46 20 years ago. And because of my new... I'm moving this over and up a little bit so I can see it better. 20 years ago. So do the math. Uh, It's somewhere north of 60. I wasn't good in math. But I'm 66 and I'm starting to play this new game. When I walk into a new room with purpose, the game is, what did I come in here for? What was I looking for? It's the new game. Microwave, when I hear the after 30 seconds, bing! Bing! What's in there the surprise game? It could be anything. I think I smell popcorn, so it's a new fun game for me and my memory's getting a little worse. But today it's about jarring our memory and and, and it's going to be kind of neat, I think, as I started praying about this and this is as much for me as I think it is for you. And it's rediscovering our why. And as Jason, and Jason is a dear friend of mine. I love Jason. We we worked together at a camp a while back. We were both on staff at a Presbyterian church down the road together, and we've done life together, and it's it's been neat. But but today is about uh, jarring our memory and dis- rediscovering our our why. And in the, uh, we're not going to read the passage just yet. But in 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 Luke, Luke describes. What happened with Martha and Mary, these sisters, and what caused Mary, what caused Mary to do what she did? And, and it's just not that, but I'm going to ask the question: What caused us? What caused me to say yes to the Lord? What caused me to sit at the Lord's feet? What caused me to stand up in front of everybody and lift up my hands? So we're going to look at a couple of examples about why, kind of why, did, why we do what we do. Why did we do the things that we did even back then? So first question, though, has anybody in here, I'm going to ask you to be transparent, has anybody in here done something that's, I'm going to use the term dumb in your life? <laughs> okay, we have a transparent dumb crowd. I like it. I feel at home here. Thank you. I've done some things. I'm going to go past dumb and even use the word stupid, some stupid things. I'm going to share one of these little stories with you. So um, my, my parents both passed in 2022, my mom and my dad. And so we've gone through, we've discussed, and we had family, and they're both with Jesus. They came to the Lord later on in life, and they love the Lord, and they're with Him now. But of course, I miss Him, and my sister and I are the only two left. And so we've had all these discussions along with friends, and some of the things that Dad was like, and even before he became a Christian, we we were blessed to have both parents stayed together, uh, went through the Depression. Dad was a World War II veteran. And they got married right after war and stayed married all the way up to 2022 when they went to go be with the Lord in heaven. So dad was kind of, he was walk softly and carry a big stick and we know where the stick was used and a lot of it was on the three boys before he got to the girls. So this share this story with you. When I was, we think I was five, I could have been four years old and I don't know why I did this. I grew up in a great neighborhood where our house was in the middle of a of a uh, a street in in a residential neighborhood, and I thought it was a huge street. I thought it was a huge house, but going back there and, and looking at it, it wasn't so much. But to entertain a boy at that age, all we needed was a box, like an old like a box. That you brought, got a TV in or a refrigerator. That to me was like a fort, and it was so fun. But at 4 or 5, I took the, took the box and went out into the middle of the street. And I put the box there. I climbed in and put the, put the lid down, and I just sat there. Don't ask the question why, because I'm just going to go back and refer to stupid. Because um, I, I wasn't thinking. So I'm sitting in the box, and I heard a car from down the street come up, and I heard the engine getting louder. So this is a pretty tough situation, but I'm here today, so you don't have to ask the question: Did you live? Did you get hit? No. So I sat in the box, and I heard, and then the, I heard the screeching of a car. I was old enough to know that that wasn't good, and something bad could have happened. So we had a neighbor, a teacher at a local high school, Mr. Jensen. He came out of his house, which was right across from us, and one house over. He came out of the house. I remember the clicking of. He used to wear hard shoes, these wingtips. I remember him coming out, and it was in the summer, and he, uh, he, I could hear him talking, and he opened the box, there I am, he pulled me out, pulled the box over to the side, and he said, I'm going uh, to go tell uh, your dad. And so as he's taking me in with a hand, I'm crying, I'm begging him not to tell me. I've got these crocodile that not to tell on me because I know what would happen. I would get a whooping, not time out back then. Uh, the timeout was was, uh, so he, <clears throat> right or wrong, I've had these discussions with my dad, especially when he got into his 90s, and he said, what are they going to do to me, arrest me? So he was, he probably took uh, discipline to that next phase. So he's taken me in, and I'm begging him, and I said, I'll never do it again. And Mr. Jensen said, you won't do it again, somewhere along this the dialogue, somewhere along this line. And I said, I never will, I never will, I'm crying. So Mr. Jensen says, okay, if you ever do, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna take you into your dad's. So Mr. Jensen walks across the street, clack, 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 walks in, and I hear his door shut. As soon as his door shut, I take the box, go to the middle of the street, put the box down, climb in the box, I'm just sitting there. Then I hear a car, and I don't know the sequence of time, uh, I don't know how long it was, but I hear a car coming down, and this lady had a Cadillac. We knew, we just called her Cadillac Lady. And she was old to us back then. She lived at the other end of the street, and she would just jump on that. She had a lead foot. And I heard the car engine, going pretty fast. And I knew, I think I could remember back thinking that this wasn't a good idea. Because she was coming, and then, Mr. Jensen, clack, 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 clack. He comes out, comes over, opens up the box. <laughs> he takes me out, takes me by the hand, takes me across, knocks on the door, takes me right into uh, my parents' house. My dad looked at me and looked at him, and he said, what did he do this time? So, and I had two older brothers that were in the house at the time. So he explained it to me. My dad said, thank you, Mr. Jensen. My dad took me into the room. Uh, with the three boys, we were in this one middle room. And he uh, took the, uh, just him and I were in there, started to talk with me, and then he proceeded to, to give me a whooping that I will remember uh, this, to this day. And then he took me by the hand and he took me out to the curb. And he said, if you ever step off this curb without holding the hand of your brother or an adult, you're going to get twice as, twice the uh, uh, whooping that you just got, twice as hard I still can't get off of a curb this today because of that. No, I can. But I stopped I, it, it made me stop and I was thinking if if I didn't if that didn't happen to me, if I wasn't disciplined and even though I think dad still went over the edge on the discipline piece, if it didn't happen, the chances of me Going back out into the street again, I think looking back on it now at age four or five, I would have probably done it again, and I very well could have been hit, and it could have been a disaster. So as tough as my dad was on me, I shared this because I was a youth pastor for 40 plus years. I shared it at a camp one time, and a kid who had came to the Lord said, would you tell your dad thank you? And I said, well, uh, yeah, I shared that story. He said, because you're here today, and I, he accepted the Lord. And he goes, "You God worked in you to give this message that I needed to surrender my life to the Lord. So, but my, my reason I didn't go back in the street, pretty obvious, was because I was afraid. That was my why. The only reason I think I didn't go back into the street again with the box because I just was so afraid of getting a whooping and a harder whooping. And I mean, he really paddled my south end. And I was afraid of that. That was my why. So for the long, I just, I had this healthy respect and fear for my dad who I didn't think about at the time, but he really loved me. And so as we were going through the passing of my both of my parents as my sister and I talked about mom and dad, they loved us. They would do anything for us and they disciplined us. So that was part of my why. I didn't go back and I look back and I'm going, that's why. That was part of it. So there's reasons. So today's message is about kind of rediscovering or discovering our why. Youth pastor. I had parents over the years talk to me and thank me. I had a dad, Come to tears and saying how much he appreciated what I did for his, his son and his daughter in the youth group. And I was thinking, I didn't really treat the kids that special. I came over to the house a few times, we did some things, we poured into their life. But he was so, so appreciative. And his why was because I, he felt that I took care and, and poured into his kids. Working with youth and working in sports, coaches, can sometimes be that catalyst for a, for a student or a, a, an athlete, a kid, to keep going and to be encouraged. And I've seen parents be so appreciative for a, for a coach or a youth pastor or a counselor or a teacher. What, why, why would it cause this, this man, this big construction owner man, he was just this man's man, why, what caused him to have tears in his eyes for me to be so appreciative because I didn't think it was that big of a deal but his why was because I I stepped in and I helped this kid, both of his kids stay on the right track. I just went over the house a few times and we all went, I spent extra time and my office was open for them and they would come in and he just thought it was the greatest thing in the world and he knew that he needed some help with him and his wife with their kids and he was just so appreciative. What would cause Jesus' disciples to even be tortured, to go to death? And some of them were just, that they, they had horrible deaths. Well, What would cause somebody to do that? If you just think about it for a second. So I'm going to ask you to think about a response in your mind for a second. Knowing what you know through Scripture... What would cause a disciple of Jesus after he is now dead, rose again, is in heaven, but he's gone? What would cause a disciple to say, I'll do everything? What would cause Simon Peter to leave his boats and nets to follow Jesus? He left his his living. He left everything. What would be his cause for that? Since we're not having interaction today and working with youth, I just love it, and if I had... If I was your pastor, you'd say, I've got to talk, so I've got to you know show up on a Sunday morning because that berry guy, he's going to ask me. But I'm going to ask you to at least think about it. What would cause Simon, Scripture says that Simon Peter, that Jesus, after he did what he did for him, he said, cast your nets out a little bit further. He said, there's no fish out there. We've gone. He said, just trust me. He did it, and he got this, this overload of fish. And then it says that he said, Simon Peter, I'm going to change you. I'm going to make you not just a fisher of fish, but a fisher of men. He said, follow me. What would cause somebody to do that? To leave their, the way they make their living to follow Jesus? And there were no assurances. What would cause that? What would cause Peter in Acts, uh, not Peter, um, Stephen in Acts chapter 6 to stand up for his face so much that he was willing to be stoned to death? And I've read the story and as a kid I saw it on the flannel graph and and I've I've heard about it, but I I started to think about it more and more. I mean, they're taking these big stones and they're throwing it at him. I don't know if he stood there like this. I don't know if he was trying to hide. But how it was so brutal and he didn't back down. What would cause Stephen to do that? What was the cause? In Acts chapter 4... Peter and John, they were, they were told by the authorities, do not, whatever you do, you can be religious, but do not talk about this Jesus and him being resurrected from the dead and him being the Messiah. Both the Jews, they were still waiting for the Messiah, and the authorities did not want him to do it, and they told them, you better not do it again. What would cause Peter and John to say, I don't really care what you say, in a respectful way, but he says, we will not stop preaching and telling people about Jesus. And they were, they were threatened with being beaten and imprisoned. What would cause them to do this? We'll get to that. And then this, as we get ready, and we're in the middle of, of remembering uh, Martin Luther King, if, as we get ready and we're looking at this, I would just say, there has been disunity throughout our world there has been fractures wherever you stand it is what it is and i'm not going to dive into that but how do you bring disunity into unity so in i just to show you my age i need these readers to make sure i follow through with this there's a scripture in acts chapter no laughing um acts chapter four what would cause this It says, all the believers, when the Holy Spirit had come, Jesus had left, the Holy Spirit, the counselor, had come, and he started to do something great. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32, it says, all the believers were in one heart, were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. Just think about it for a second. I'm not going to ask for a response. I want you to just think about that. How foreign is that even to us this day? Think about that. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And much grace was upon them all. Verse 14, there were no needy persons among them. For, for, for from time to time, those who owned lands or houses, sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Think about it. Let's just think about that, how weird, how foreign that is. And I'm not, don't worry, that this isn't a giving message. We're not going to say we're passing the hat, uh, but think about that. What would cause people to sell their houses, to sell their fields, and put the money towards what God was doing? That sounds crazy to me. That is, uh, now for me, even in seminary, I remember I just kept thinking, why? What caused them? I want that. And then finally, in uh, uh, verse 36, Joseph, a Levite from Cyrene, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So I'm going to say right here, this is disunity to unity. And this is not a command or a request or a challenge to say, hey, you alone are in charge of making disunity unity. But I want to go back and and this morning's, my prayer this morning is that we would discover part of our why. Usually there is a reason for our actions and reactions. Our emotions drive our actions. They do. Why? That's what I'm asking again, our why. What drives us? Is it guilt? Is it false guilt? Or is it something that happened? I want to tell a story in a minute But before that, I want us to take a look at the scripture, um, that what caused Mary to sit at the Lord's feet. So I'm going to share this. This This is our scripture this morning, and it is Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he had said. Now, some theologians believe that she just worshipped him. She understood who he was and who she was, and she worshipped him. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him, she, Martha came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, your word ain't upset about many things. But few things are needed, or only one, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. A couple of things here. One, and we're going to go back to what caused Mary to be that. And I have this saying, and my best friends and I talk about this in a Bible study. We say that we need to, every once in a while, do a sober self-assessment of ourself. Because I can look at myself and go, I'm good. I mean, I've led people to Christ, I give, I do these things, I don't do the bad things, I could say, there we go. But I have blind spots, and the Lord is even still, I feel like He's revealing to me through Scripture areas that I need to be pruned and I need to change and repent from. And when I get a clear, sober assessment of myself and God, and the way I find that He loves me, that's part of why I do what I do. So what would cause Mary to do that? And that's one. And then I understand Martha's because I, I'm like a Martha saying, come on, let's get, get after it, get her done. As a pastor, I'm thinking you, we're just sometimes type A, come on, get the things that need to get done, done. But sometimes I forget my why. why. Why should Mary, why did she do what she did, and why did Jesus talk to Martha that way? And then the second piece in this in this particular passage I love that Jesus said what Mary has chosen is better and it will not be taken away. He protected that, that relationship with God. Jesus sat and, and saw this person to worship him, and, and he said, It will not be taken away. How cool, how good, how precious it would precious if it would be that as we worship the Lord, if we go back to our why, we would stand. Unbridled worship, thankfulness, appreciation. If he said, I won't take that away from you. Because it's about our relationship with the Lord. There's another great story, and this is a story about a prodigal son. And I'm sure that you've heard this before. And Jesus told it. I'm look at the prodigal son for a second. Because if, if I'm being real transparent, I want to say I'm a poster boy for the prodigal son. Yeah, that's my why, and I need to remember that. So, the prodigal son, a father, I'm going to not embellish the story, but build it up a little bit. He had land, he had resources, he had two sons an older son that was pretty faithful and good, and a younger son that said, Dad, I'm going to read some things into this. I don't really care about you or disrespecting you in the community. Man, that would break my dad's heart. And as a dad and a grandfather, that would break my heart if my son said that. He said, I don't really care about you, but I want my inheritance early, half of your estate. And I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave the family. And he went off and the prodigal son did things that are just, they're bad. Was a, just did all those wild, crazy, oat sowing things that people do. And then he came to the end of his rope and he realized that he was about to die. He was at the end of the end of his rope, wasted all of the resources. And then he didn't even have a great reason to come back. Because he was broke, he was destitute. And he started formulating in his mind how he would even speak and talk to his father. And as he was coming back, we've got to remember this story, and Jesus told the story. I think it's beautiful. It's in Luke chapter 15. And Jesus said, the father sat, and as he saw the son coming back away far off, the father didn't sit there and wait for him to come back and grovel and hear all the things like, if you offend me, I'm waiting for you to explain to me. By the way, I got. I'm going to do a little sidebar here because I have ADD, similar to Jason probably. Um, if you did something to me and you want to get back in my good graces, I need you to be specific in what you did wrong and apologize for it. And then I'm forgiven and we're all good, but the Lord is still teaching me to love no matter what. And so something I found out when I first got married was this. Never ever say, and I share this as I'm um, going to do a, a, a marriage ceremony. I usually share it with a guy that don't ever... Say I'm am uh, sorry for whatever it was I did. <laughs> just that's counsel that I give young men as they're getting married. By the way, I, I think yeah it was I, I did Jason and Malia's wedding. It, it was actually here, however long ago that was. Um, but don't ever say I'm sorry for whatever it was I did. But the prodigal son was coming back, and he didn't. He was trying to figure out just to get dad's good graces. So as the father saw him a ways off, the father runs to him because he sees his son. And the son starts to say, apologizing, hey, I'll take a lower level position in the family, but I just need a job, I'll st- I won't even be in the house. And the father says, none of that. And he grabs him, and he grabs him, and he holds him, and he kisses him. And he tells the other servants, go get my finest clothes that I have in my closet, the most expensive ones, and bring it out put it on. Go get the most expensive ring that I have in that jewelry box, and come it out and put it on his finger. Go tell all the friends we're going to have a huge party and take our most prized animal, that calf, and kill it because we're going to have a barbecue to end all barbecues. And the son, I'm assuming, is thinking, what? Why are you doing this? So I'm going to go a little bit further in this story. So everybody's around. And in my mind, the first time I heard this as a kid, I was thinking that the father should be saying, don't you ever, and you'll work your way up, and you're sleeping out in the barn before you come into the mansion. But here's what I think happened if we were to go a little bit further in the story. That night, dad's in his room, and the son knocks on the door of the prodigal son. And here's what I think. I think he knocks on the door and dad opens it up and the son's he's just in awe. And the son says, I don't get it. I don't understand how you do why you did this. I shouldn't even be called your son, Dad. I'm just and the and the dad looks at him with these eyes of just absolute love. He says, come here. And he grabs him and he holds him and, and he just tells him how much he loves him. So I think that son's why. So now we're going to go in reality. Couple days, couple weeks, couple months, couple years. Maybe the son is just kind of thinking, eh. But he needs his memory jarred of that day when dad picked up his, his clothes and robe and went after him and held him and did what he did. His mind needs to be jarred, right? If we go a little bit further, if he forgets about it. And sometimes Barry's mind needs to be jarred, and maybe our minds needs to be jarred of what, of our why, remembering our why. There's a scripture in uh, Revelation chapter, th- chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. This is to the church that is at Ephesus. And I love that as is, is John has been put on this island of Patmos and that's where the Lord revealed to him the last letter that would be in the book of, it's in the book of Revelation It would be revealed to him to write and to pen out. And he says to this church, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Repent and do the things you did at first. Repent and do the things you did at first. I remember the night that I came to the Lord. It was April 12th, my junior year in high school. And I was broken because of the path that I was walking down, like the prodigal son. And I discovered how much the Lord loved me. And I didn't have to clean up first. And I can remember actually tears coming down. And I'm not a crier. but I was bawling. This big, hulking man who had shared this message prayed with me to receive Christ. And then he gave me some kind of marching orders on what to do next and to get involved in in the church and in a Bible study and accountability. And I've had a, a life that hasn't been all perfect, but it's gone, had its ups and downs. But it's good for me to come back and discover why I would stand up and lift up my hands. Why would I get on my knees? Why would I write a check? Why did I say yes to the Lord to serving Him full time instead of going after other degrees? Because I'm the prodigal son. What would cause Mary to do that? What would cause a convicted criminal he was guilty, complete guilt, facing life in prison and he was actually facing life in prison by the judge because that was the right thing. And the judge said, hold on, before you go off, and you all, I'm sure, have seen and heard about what happens to people when they go to prison, to this young man. And the judge says, hold on, a sentence has to be paid. You have to do it. But instead of you going, I'm going to send, I only have one son, and I'm going to send that son in your place to suffer through all the things that happen to a young man when they go to prison. And the son, and he says, you're free to go. You have no more penalty over you. And the judge looks at him and says, you're free. And my son, who was willing, takes his place to serve that life sentence. Goes through, gets handcuffed, gets taken off. What would cause that man that was guilty, that didn't deserve freedom, to think and think and appreciate and just be a part of that judge's family for the rest of his life. Pretty obvious. So this morning, what is our, what's our why? Why would somebody write a check? Why would the apostles do what they did because of the relationship with Jesus? Cause and effect, I'll close with this. When I do a sober self-assessment, I realize that I'm the prodigal son. So I'm asking us to just think. And because we're not dialoguing today, think about what your why is. Why did you first maybe say surrender? And then, if it's about a relationship with Jesus, I would encourage us in the moment, I'm going to close in prayer. Say, Lord, remind me, jar my memory of how much you love me by the way that guilty prisoner that was let go and is like has no guilt over him no parole no nothing he's free years later he didn't even think of the judge didn't send him a christmas card didn't call him didn't go to his house but needed to be reminded of his of of why he has this relationship with the judge why he is so appreciative and loves that judge Let's pray. Would you join me? Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you. Thank you for the example of Martha and Mary. Uh, Lord, I pray, Father, that we would remember what you've done for us, the amount of love that you have for us. And may we just simply receive that. And even if it's like Martha and Mary's situation where we sat at the Lord's feet, help us to not scurry around as much. But be appreciative, be thankful to be grateful for what you've done for us, Lord. And maybe we worship you and respond out of what you've done for us. We love you, Jesus. And I pray, Father, that our appreciation and our heart would show it. Amen. So if there is a, a place where you, you came back or you're just going, okay, a couple of things, those disciplines are hard to keep. So I would, I would encourage you to talk to somebody about that, about your why and then bring in accountability, somebody else to help you, just to remember your why, why you do what you do. Thank you guys. Appreciate it.
0: to the time in the service when we receive tithes and offerings. And we're reminded from the Gospel of Matthew, freely you have received, freely give. And as Barry just said, why? Why do you write that check? And we do. We write our checks and we bring our gifts and our offerings to this church. If you're listening on the podcast, send your offering to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, Post Office, Box 2128, Costa Mesa, 92628. If you brought it with you today, there's offering trays in the back of the church, and we thank you for bringing those. So. We shall now receive offerings.
5: make me seated. Thank you so much for being here, Barry. Psalm 17 reminds us, I call upon you, for you answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me. Hear my words. Wondrously show your steadfast love, O Savior, of those who seek refuge from their adversaries at your right hand. Let us pray to the God who promises us he will never leave or forsake us. Let us pray. Wondrously and merciful God, we praise you for who you are, loving, steadfast, faithful, and kind. Thank you for never letting go of us. Even when we let the distractions of this world lead us away from you. Lord, we pray for a world that needs you. We lift up Ukraine and its citizens and continue to pray for an end to this heinous war. Father, intercede, protect the vulnerable, put roadblocks in the ways of the aggressors, give wisdom to those who may be in positions to change the trajectory of this war. In the name of Jesus, bring an end to the destruction in Ukraine and give its citizens peace. Lord Jesus, we pray for the families of those lost in a horrific plane crash in Nepal last night. Comfort them as they grieve. Hold them tight. Almighty God, we continue to pray for California and the current state of emergency caused by the eight atmospheric rivers that have dumped so much rain, the land and rivers cannot contain it all. We pray for those who have been displaced, lost homes, are without power, or have been negatively impacted by these storms. Bring aid quickly, we pray. Prompt neighbor to help neighbor and give first responders the strength they need to carry on. Protect us all from one more atmospheric river rainstorm tomorrow and continue to protect this wonderful, warm church building from the effects of the storms. Loving Lord Jesus, we pray for those right here in our midst that need a fresh touch from your Holy Spirit. We lift up Nancy Ross and her family as they grieve Jack's passing. Comfort them in their time of grief. We pray, too, for the family of Jeannie Sagar. Be ever-present with them in their grief as they mourn Jeannie's passing. We continue to lift up our dear sister Kay, dear, and pray for your mercy and grace to pour over her like a healing balm. May she feel the prayers of those who love and care about her. Merciful Father, we pray for your hand of healing on Buzz Coslin, Patty Ernest, Gwen Conway, Lou Stead, and those who care for them. Father, we pray for your love and restoration to pour over Pastor Jason and his family during this time of much-needed respite. We lift up Pastor Barry Martinez and thank you for the word you brought forth through him this morning. Bless and uplift him. And we continue to pray as you taught your disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, As we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Please stand and join in our final hymn together.
4: May the Lord cause His face to shine upon us. May He speak to our hearts. May He prompt us as to our why we would worship, we would give, we would go out and be His hands and His feet and shine His light through us. Thank you, Lord. Go in the power of God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.